Good morning. Let's bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Lord Jesus, our prayer this morning is that we could surrender to you. Surrender our will, our thoughts, our hearts, Lord. Lord, that we would be open to your words, not my words, but the word you want to speak to our hearts this morning. Be with us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn to the book of Colossians, if you have a pew Bible, it's page 983. This is our second uh, week, our second sermon in our Colossians series. And kind of the theme as we are going through this is Christ is Lord of the universe, of creation, of all. And we want to lift up Jesus Christ in our messages which, of course, we always want to do. But to really take a look at this. And so let's look at uh, the first chapter. Last week we just uh, had an introduction, covered the first two verses. We'll start at verse 3 this morning. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from that day we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, our church here in Northfield, if you're not familiar with it, is somewhat unique in that uh, we use lay leadership and lay ministers, lay preachers, uh, and I'm one of those. Uh, I spent, uh, I'm a farmer, and I spent much of my life as being a hog farmer. And Friday night, I was talking to Dan Manningham, Micah's dad, and uh, Dan said, you know, I just, I just never woke up in the middle of the night thinking, boy, I wish I was a hog farmer. <laughs> and I told him I haven't either. So anyway, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, Dan was a Navy helicopter pilot, and uh, he flew one of the helicopters to uh, do the recovery of John Glenn. Dan, is that right? Is he here? Maybe he's not here. Is that right, Dan? No, it's not right. (laughs) Well, it sounds good anyway. 
But, you know, I did tell him that hog farming gives you a lot of sermon material. So, uh, <clears throat> anyway, a few years ago, um, Gordon Conwell Seminary in Boston, they have a program called Preacher's College, and it's geared towards lay preaching, lay ministers, and our, our church leadership brought a couple of, I don't know if you call them professors or of, of their instructors and brought them here and, and did a, a, a seminar for, for those of us that are interested in lay ministry. And to help us prepare and to organize and to present the message that God has given us. And one of their main points was to, to take the scripture passage as you're preparing your message and find the big idea. So as I was preparing this message, I think, well, verse 3 and 4 talks about thanksgiving and prayer. Verse 4, faith in Christ Jesus and love for the saints. Verse 5, hope in heaven, the word of truth, the gospels. Verse 6, bearing fruit, increasing in grace of God in truth. Verse 7, faithful minister. Verse 8, the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, knowledge, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, walking in a manner worthy, pleasing the Lord, bearing fruit in good works. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power, endurance, patience, with joy. Verse 12, God the Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance. Verse 13, delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of Jesus. Verse 14, our redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So I came up with 20 sermon topics in this 12 verses. So what's the big idea? Well, obviously the big idea is Jesus. But as Paul, and I, one of the beauties of the Bible, of the Scripture, is it's God's inherent truth written with the personalities of man. And obviously Paul was uh, uh, one of the, has many of the authors of, of the New, was, had many of the books of the New Testament. And this is just Don Stuber's opinion, but I think Paul must have been a kid that had, was hyperactive and suffered from ADD. Because sometimes you read his, and he's just all over the place. And I think this is kind of one of those passages. But if we really look at it and break it down, in verse 3, Paul is saying, we always thank the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. And he's probably including, including Timothy and, and maybe some of the others that he was associating with. That he's constantly in prayer for them. And we have to go back, clear down to verse 9 then, to see what his prayer was. And he says, so from that day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul was praying for these believers, these men and women that had committed their life to the Jesus Christ had accepted his salvation and redemption by faith. And he was praying for them that they would be filled with understanding and knowledge. But what has caught my attention as I was studying this, Colossians is one of, uh, 
what they considered Paul's prison gospels, written when he was in prison, along with Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. And if we look at those other prison letters in Ephesians, verse 1, chapter 16 and 17, Paul talks about my prayers, and he says that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and knowledge. In Philippians 1.9, he says, My prayer that love may abound more and more with the knowledge and discernment. We already see in Colossians 1.9 that they may be filled with knowledge. In Philemon, which was written to an individual, he says, he says, sharing of your faith, his prayer that would be for sharing of his faith become effective for full knowledge. For the sake of Christ. So there's a common theme that Paul is concerned enough for the believers in these churches and for Philemon that he prays that they would be filled with knowledge and understanding. Why? Why is that his prayer? Why is that his concern? Because Paul knew that is easy to be deceived, and we will study later on in our Colossian series about false teachers and false teaching, that we become confused, we become discouraged, we fall into temptation, because there's this natural part of us that desires to be in control. And we all know that the God of this world is wanting to counterfeit and influence and destroy everything that God has deemed good. And you know, as I've heard it said that when they train people to, to recognize counterfeit money, they don't, tell, they don't teach them about all the different types of counterfeits. They teach them to recognize the real thing. And I think that's what Paul's prayer is that these people would recognize and understand and comprehend and grasp the real thing. Is that our prayer today? Is that your prayer? The other interesting part of this word, this knowledge, you know, translation, translation from Greek or from Hebrew into English or any other uh, language there's always a difficulty in word meaning. And there's multiple different words, Greek words that are con uh, translated knowledge or know, to know. It's kind of like if, if uh, and this maybe dates me, but if I say, oh, boy, that was really cool, do I mean that was really uh, neat? Something really exciting, or was that something that was cold? You know, if we say someone is hot, do we say they're very attractive? Are we saying they're very attractive, or are we saying they're sick and have a fever? So words mean, same words mean different, and different words mean the same. But in, in this translation, in this word knowledge, there's, there's basically two different Greek words, and I'm no Greek expert by any means, and I maybe can't even pronounce them, but there's gnosis, 
which is the noun verb or ginosko, that is the verb that means to know, and it's more of an intellectual, a head knowledge, you might say. The other word is espionosis or epigenosko, which is a much deeper knowing. And that's what this word is. It's a heart knowledge. It, it, it infiltrates us. It, it consumes us. Some of the different things that I read concerning these, that this knowledge, this epionosis, it's a relationship between the knower and the object known. It, it, it indicates a participation by the knower with the object known. The object known impacts and influences the knower. This is a deep heart knowledge. It goes beyond the intellectual. It, it, it fills our life. It fills our heart. It motivates us. It changes us. It consumes us. And Paul says, that's my prayer, that you know Jesus like that. You see, Paul, who was formerly known Saul, we heard last week, you might say that Saul had his doctorate of theology. He had studied under the great teachers of Scripture. He knew it. He knew the words. He knew the words of Scripture. But he didn't know the God of the Scriptures. He had missed it. He had studied Isaiah. He knew about the Passover lamb. He knew about the the. God sacrificing the animals and making skins to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness. He knew it all and he missed Jesus. In fact, he so missed him that he was out to kill anyone that followed Jesus. And then Jesus got a hold of him. And suddenly, Paul knew the God of the Scriptures. Paul knew in his heart and in his being, who God was. And in Romans 10, too, he, he is talking about Israel's unbelief, and it's really a personal testimony that he is sharing. How they have, the Romans 10, too, says, they had a zeal for God, but not according to the knowledge, the espionosis. They had a zeal for God in their head, but they miss God in their heart. Another example of this is in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. The verse says, For now I know in part, and that's the head knowledge. It says, Then I shall know fully the heart part as I have been fully known. It's a process. It's a growing process. We are saved by grace through faith through the shed blood of Jesus, and that is one and done. Christ instantly takes us from the domain of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of his Son through salvation in Jesus Christ. 
but our, our knowledge, our knowing, our intimate relationship with Jesus, that's just the start. That's just the start. Friday night, some of us were at the wedding here at church of Blake and Janie. And Mike, as as he was sharing the message, he said, you know, this marriage, this Friday, or this, uh, you are now husband and wife, but it's just the beginning. It's not the end. It's not the end all. It's It's not the goal. It's just the beginning. And then he went on to share that this journey of marriage will be wonderfully difficult. 45 years and it's still wonderfully difficult, isn't it? But our journey, our journey, it's hard, sometimes it's painful, but it's wonderful. This life's journey, some Google facts. Physically, we peak at age 25. That's when we peak, according to Google. Mentally, we peak at 18. That's when we have the most capacity of our brain to process information. Now, experience can carry us a little further. But the actual being ability to process information and retain it peaks at 18. But I would challenge you this morning that spiritually we peak when we see Jesus face to face. And in that time, it's a journey upwards in intimacy, in the knowledge, in a true surrendering our heart and, and knowing and having a relationship with Jesus. Just as those of you who have been married many years, it's been a difficult journey, but, but the intimacy that we share after 45 years is so much greater than the intimacy of one day and one year. A few weeks ago, we had the testimonies and baptisms out at Manningham's Lake. What a blessing. And if I remember correctly, as uh, Garrett Klaus shared in his testimony that he always loved Jesus from his little, from all his memory. And I could identify with, with Garrett's testimony because that was my testimony. From as far as I could ever remember my do- I loved Jesus and my desire was to serve him and surrender my life to him and I was never rebellious I wanted to bring honor to my parents and I wasn't perfect but I was a good kid but I did know that I was a sinner and I needed Christ's sacrifice to cover my sins and I accepted his sacrifice in faith Verses 13 and 14 there. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I knew that I needed Christ's redemption and his shed blood to cover my sins.
But there was a lot of I. I I was good. I didn't do this. I did that. You know, us young guys, I think I've mentioned this before off the pulpit. We had a motto. Dwayne Gibbs came up with it. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. We lived clean lives. But you know what? God wasn't done with me. I look back sometimes and I think, there was a lot of me there. There was a lot of complacency. There was a lot of, I'm doing pretty good. And through the years, and sometimes painful years, some painful, God has showed me his grace in my life. That if there's any redeeming quality that I have in my life, it is because of God. Why was I born into a family that my parents loved me and supported me and taught me about Jesus? Why did I have friends that loved Jesus and encouraged me in my walk? What if I had been abused as a child? What if I had been neglected? What if I had been born in a different country into a different religion? Why me, Lord? Why your grace upon me? See, that's, that's starting to gain some knowledge that God wants us to have. That intimacy of his truth. Yeah, oh, God's grace up here. But God's grace down here is a totally different thing. And I can only imagine what he has yet for me. Donald Rumsfeld, back in 2000. And two, it was after the 9-11. It was when uh, Saddam Hussein was rattling his sabers again. And, and, you know, they were talking about weapons of mass destruction. And, and at, a, at a news conference, Donald Rumsfeld, who was Secretary of Defense, made this statement. I remember it. <clears throat> there are known knowns, things we know that we know. There are known unknowns, things we know we don't know, but there are also unknown unknowns, things we do not know that we don't know. That maybe sounds confusing, but there's a lot of truth there. There's a lot of things yet that God has for us that we don't know, that he wants to reveal his son to us. And his work. You know, I can only, I can only imagine as those verses in, in 1 Corinthians talks about when we see him face to face, we will know. I sometimes think of, you know, you think about heaven once in a while. What it's going to be like and those streets of gold and 
river of life and The more God shows me in this earth, the more the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart, the more I surrender to him, the more I think when I see Jesus, I will see all that he has done for me. All that he gave up and sacrificed for me. And I will know him. And I will fall on my face in worship. You know, the Bible doesn't say there's going to be no tears in heaven. It says he's going to wipe them away. And I think when we see Jesus and totally know him, there will be tears. And he'll wipe them away. And my prayer, one of my main prayers today to the Lord is, Lord, show me my blind spots. Show me those, those things that I don't know I don't know. Reveal them to me and make them known to me. And I know I have a long ways to go, just like we all do. I've not arrived. The Lord still is chipping away, sometimes in painful, revealing himself to me as I surrender to him. And the more I know, the more I experience the intimacy of knowing Christ, the more I know I don't know, the more I know that he has more for me. So what are our hindrances from knowing Jesus in a, complete, in a more complete, intimate way. Obviously our own desires, but also sometimes our own experiences, the culture around us. Maybe it's the latest spiritual fad coming through. You know, there's kind of and I'm kind of out of the loop a little bit on some of the, the young people especially, but there's kind of this, this thing of deconstructing your faith. You know, going back and, and kind of tearing it all down and starting over of what, what is this faith we have? And we all have faith in something. And my fear is... as this is taking place, is what are you going to build your faith on? If you de deconstruct what you have and then you start constructing something, what are you going to construct it on? Is it going to be on the cultural norms? Is it going to be on our own desires? And it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing to question. But a songwriter, I think, caught it pretty straight. He says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
Because to, if we are going to recognize the counterfeit, we need to know the real thing. And the real thing is Jesus. So what is your desire today? Is your desire to know Jesus more? Are you willing to set aside some of your pet ideas, some of your things that, that you have feel good about? Are you willing to, to set that aside and to look and to know and ask Jesus to reveal himself to you? To know Jesus, we need to seek him, and we need to surrender. And that can be painful sometimes. Because we have to give up ourselves, and we need to seek Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 14, says, For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The breadth and length and height and depth, we can't even comprehend. But again, Paul's prayer is to know the, to know the heartfelt know, the love of Christ, that surpasses the knowledge, the intellectual knowledge of Christ. And that is my prayer this morning for myself and for you. I have a quote in your bulletin from Dr. David Jeremiah, a great Bible teacher, spiritual leader, someone that quote has arrived is the expert and his quote is I hope never to let a day pass without drawing nearer to him meaning Jesus and coming to know him better is your desire to know Jesus better today that you will know him better tomorrow and know him better next week and you know him better today than you did last week and last year Let's pray. Lord, you, you have so much. The Bible talks about mysteries and about knowing and praying to know. Lord, reveal yourself to us. Lord, open our hearts 
that we could seek you, the truth of you, that would be life-changing. It would, it would cause us to make our decisions based on you, to do our actions to glorify your name. Lord, that you would reveal yourself. Maybe there are those in this room right now that don't even know that if you're real. Lord, reveal yourself to them. And for those of us that have served you and put our faith in you 50, 60 years ago, the Lord, you would still even reveal more of yourself and that we could surrender to you those areas that we struggle with. Lord, be with us in this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.